Okay, so I got to share something with you guys, but don't tell anybody. I have this idea that if everybody in public could wear t-shirts that explain what was going on in their life, it would be so much easier to deal with them, right? Like, so if a guy cuts you off in traffic and then you see him get out and he's like, my mom's really sick right now and I'm totally stressed out. Wouldn't that be amazing? You guys aren't warming up to this. I thank you. I thought it would be great. Think of the money we could make on that deal. Talk about rapid rehousing. So we don't have that advantage, do we? We bump into people. We drive by people. We get stuck on airplanes with people. And we don't know what their T-shirt says because they're not wearing one that explains what their problems are. The only one that knows what's written on the T-shirt of our heart is our Heavenly Father. He's the only one. And he knows that. And still, he tells us in this passage that Matt's going to preach on today to love our neighbors as ourself. Even if we don't get it, if we don't like them, if we don't like what they stand for or what we think they stand for, he says do it anyway. Last week, Matt preached and he talked about prayer being a conversation with God. And part of the fruit of that type of conversation with God comes in the ability to love others the way we would have them love us. Without any kind of thank you or gratitude, because that's me, right? When I do something nice and I'm really compassionate with you, I expect you to take notice and appreciate it. Especially like with your family, right? Like you do this amazing thing for your family. Does anyone really notice? Not really, no. So what I like to do is advertise all the good things I've done so that everyone will truly appreciate me. But that's not the type of love, and that's not the type of thing Jesus is talking about at all when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about loving people the way he's loved us, regardless of whether we appreciate it at all or not. Jesus understands that his mission is not first as a teacher or a movement leader or even a messiah. He understands his mission is to be carrying out the will of his loving father. And this week, Jesus speaks into the fruit of those conversations. And that's my love for people. It's harder, more foreign, and more upside down than it first seems. So let's take a little breath here. And let's hear the word of God. Matthew seven twelve through 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray. I just want to take a breath, Lord. Try to take that in. It's a lot. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to hear directly from you, Lord. We take all of our kingdoms and all the things we fight for 
And we're going to hold those things with an open hand this morning and allow you to interact with them. Change us. Conform us. Let us hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. To do the Father's will, to do the Father's will, that carries so much baggage with it. It seems obvious that there's this list of things we're supposed to do, 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 do all the time, this list of things we're supposed to be all the time, but there's something more profound than this. I put this question out there this week. Um, So Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat, treat people the way you wish you were treated, he says. And do you know the most common response that I got? Respect me. Try to know me. Seek to understand me. That was the most common thing. It wasn't give me money or do all these kinds of things. People made some jokes, but for the most part, it was really, I just feel like I walk around and people don't take the time to know me. They don't take the time to respect me. They don't take the time to think about my motives, even if my actions are somehow messed up, even though, even though what's going on the outside doesn't look right. Maybe they need to try to read the t-shirt. That was the most common response I got, and so what does Jesus give us when he answers this question? What is the will of the Father? He says simply that. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Basically, he says the will of the Father is for you to love people. It sums up everything he says. And by the way, he says it all over scripture and other people say it. In fact, um, a, a, a rabbi named Gamaliel said it outside of scripture when he was asked to stand on one foot and recite all the law and the prophets. He stood on one foot and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It sounds so easy. It sounds so right. It sounds so obvious Every major religion articulates the golden rule or one form or another. You're going to look it up. It just makes sense, but it is so hard. It is so hard. Think of all the people that you encounter every day. When you really try to put that into practice, I'm going to treat people the way I wish I was treated. It matters how you wish you were treated. It matters that you've thought about that. And every person that you encounter every day is an opportunity for two things. It's to love and be loved. And process all of that. And it is tough. When Jesus says the way is narrow that leads to life and the path is broad and easy that leads to destruction, it starts making more sense. When you think about even that one command to just treat people the way you want to be treated. If that, if that is the litmus test, if that is the measuring stick between the sheeps and the goats and the good and the evil and all of that, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. So I've been pondering this and kicking myself around this week as I reflected on this, this golden rule. I overheard this conversation on an elevator and I wouldn't have given a second thought. It went something like this. Two guys, they get on the elevator and one of them says, oh man, I just flew in from Houston yesterday. I kid you not, I get on the plane, I'm in the window seat, which I hate. The seat in the middle is empty and I see this guy coming all the way down the aisle and he's sweating and he's animated and he's talking on the phone and there's just something wrong with this guy and sure enough, what does he do? He comes in and he gets over and he sits right next to me 
still talking on the phone, wraps up that conversation, and I, I swear to you, within one minute, he falls asleep on me. What does the other guy say? Oh, I hate that. That's awful. Could you find another seat? Oh, believe me. I tried. I tried. So I hear this conversation and they get out and I think to myself, that's exactly, exactly what I would have thought. Yeah, that's gross. If I hadn't been processing this do unto others business. If I were him, not the guy at the window, the guy in the middle, What would I want someone to do for me? What did his t-shirt say? And by the way, if I was the guy in the window and I did manage to get my seat moved, wouldn't I just pass on the responsibility of the care of this man to some other person? There's just plenty of non-love to go around, isn't it? So I thought about this guy. I wonder what happened to him. Did something awful happen? Was he just having a bad day? Was it something tragic? Did he have a physical or mental illness? You know what? Maybe he was just kind of a mess of a person. This is the way he walked around. How would I process this through the do unto others filter? You know, it made me think about plane travel in general. It's actually a way better measuring stick for the do unto others, love your neighbor thing than cars, right? We talk about cars all the time, but that's a quick transaction, right? It's like a second or two. Ah, they honked at me and I won't honk back or whatever. That's it and it's over. But when you're on a plane... You are in a metal tube, 30,000 feet in the air, and it is on. I mean, you are hours with these people. You have to deal, right? I've had a couple experiences like this that stood out in my mind. One of them, I was in college. I'm like 19 years old. I get on my plane, sitting in the center seat, and uh, I go to, to come on the plane, and I kid you not, I walk up, I step around the front of the plane, I look, and there is a girl who is so beautiful that it's like she's glowing by the window 15 rows back. Everybody knows it. She's not trying to be, she just is. So I'm walking along with my ticket, back when you had paper tickets, walking, walking. Counting, 12, 13, 14. I'm right next to her. I'm in the center, she's in, she's in the window. She has nowhere to go. But here's what gets weirder, and I promise you, it has not happened before or since. Amen. <laughs> and that girl's name was Dee Dee, and she's the love of my life. <laughs> I kid you not, I sit down next to the girl. She tells me pretty quickly that she is a Eugenia swimwear model. And then she takes her catalog out. And she shows me all the pictures of her in the catalog and all of her friends and who she's going to meet when she gets to Miami. And then she giggles and hee-haws and everything else. And then she falls asleep, not really on my arm. She slips her hand around. And she falls asleep. And the whole, I'm going to tell you what, it was one of the longest flights of my life. For every reason, you know, for every wonderful and horrible reason, you know those cartoons where there's a devil and an angel? Well, they were having a cage match in my soul, man. They were kicking each other, you know, and one would take the lead and then the other. 
So I make it through this flight and we're getting ready to get off the plane and I'm, you know, maybe the, the demon's winning a little bit and she says this, as we're walking up the, the, the flyway thing, she says, do you want to come over to my apartment for a drink? And the demon's like, yes! And the angel's like, oh no. But I swear God intervenes and I'm walking along and I'm in this tension and every part of the man in me and every part of the Christian in me is at war. And I remember I left something on the plane. And it's just what I needed in that moment to turn around and get out of there. I did, but not really because of me. Another time, I sit down. Now I'm a youth pastor. Several years later, I'm exhausted. I'd probably been at some youth event or something. I'm totally, just devastatingly exhausted. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know what I'm talking about? You get on a plane. You know you're sitting next to somebody, and you got little things you do to communicate that you don't want to communicate, right? So here's a little pastor trick. We're not proud of it, but we do it. When you don't want anyone to talk to you, you reach in your bag, and you pull out a big black leather Bible, and you put it on the tray table, and you open it up, and it is a guarantee, fail-safe, Everybody will make a way. They'll make a hole, man. <laughs> but not this time. I'm next to this guy. He's in the center seat. He's just giddy the whole time. He keeps trying to make eye contact with me, and I do the, you know, and he doesn't get it. And he keeps, and so I pull out the Bible, and I do the whole thing, and I've got the head down. I kid you not, I hear him say, do you want to know why I'm so happy? <laughs> and I'm thinking, Buddy, there are a million reasons I don't want to know why you are so happy. Okay, why are you so happy? Because I just won the lottery. $32 million. And I'm on my way to pick it up. Now I'm interested. I want to be his friend. I have ministry ideas. <laughs> Two hours and 45 minutes, we talk on that flight. We kind of get to know each other a little bit. What was the win in those two things? If the command is to love my neighbor, to love people the way I wish I would be loved, what was the win? Well, for the lottery guy, you know what? Um, it wasn't just to be polite. It wasn't to make him think that I cared about him. It was to hear him out. He needed to talk, and here was the truth. The truth is that he and five of his family members had won this lottery on one ticket, and they all had their reasons that it should be theirs, and it was tearing his family apart. That was what was on his T-shirt. What was the win for the girl? What was the win for her? You know, this is different. That first one was like a wisdom win, right? It was to share wisdom. It was to listen and hear and share wisdom from the Lord if I had to offer it. But this other one was a holiness one, right? It was purity. The win was to maintain my purity for me, right? No. The win with the girl was to show her respect. It was to read that t-shirt that wrapped her up in the value of her physical beauty. It was to guard her dignity. It was to protect a better beauty in her. 
It wasn't just to stay pure. That wasn't the war. That wasn't the narrow way to love her with the father's love. Maybe a kind of love she had never gotten, though, that, though she had gotten every other. To love her with the father's love for her good. It's hard to love people. It's hard to think about that all the time. And this week's passage has a word in it that I'll bet nobody grabbed onto, including me. It was one word, and it's the very first word, the word, so. Did you like that, the new screen? Well done, tech people. The word, so. Think about what happened last week in the passage. What does Jesus do? He, he, he talks to them about asking the Father for things. He says, listen, you have not because you ask not. He says, ask, seek, knock. Who do you think your father is? Who do you think God is? He says, don't you know how to take care of your own kids? Doesn't your heart melt for your children? Don't you know? Can't you see their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses and their struggles and their potential and what they need to flourish? Isn't that natural in you? Do you need to go to school for that? Do you need to go to school to have your heart melt for your children? And then he says, you who are evil... You who are not good at it on the plane. You who are ultra fixated on your own t-shirt. If you know how to love your kids, don't you think God, your father, knows how to love you? So, love people. So, love people. Jesus says, because the Father loves you, you can love people. He ties the two things together. God loves me, and I, uh, for uh, God loves, God's love for me and my love for people can't be separated. He says, take the Father's love that is in you and let it flow through you. Let me say that again. Take the Father's love that is in you and let it flow through you. That summarizes everything he says. It summarizes all the law and the prophets, all those weird laws in the Bible and everything else. All of them are tied to those two things. The love of God that pours through you and bears fruit in the love of people. That's how the universe is supposed to work. That's how the world is supposed to work. The love that is in you flows through you to the people God loves. Why is it hard then? Why does he then go on to say, oh man, let me just say right now, there's a narrow way and there's a broad way. It's hard. It's so hard. And by the way, he's been contrasting that way throughout this entire message. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, don't murder, but I say, don't even get angry because that's a form of murder. You've heard it said, don't, don't commit adultery, but I say, don't even have a lustful thought. And he, he defines what it means to treat somebody the way you wish you were treated. And he says, intentionally, he sets you up for failure. He says, don't you see how overwhelming it is to try and do this from a place of your own strength, from a place of duty or responsibility or because what you'll get out of it. Don't you understand how hard it is? So here's the implication. (sighs) If the Father's love is not in you, it cannot flow through you. 
If the Father's love is not in you, it cannot flow through you to the extent that you are one with the Father, that he abides in you and you in him, that you walk through life proudly toward each other, you will have the power and the resilience and the humility and the wisdom to love the way he loves. Jesus gives us these two ways, a narrow way, a hard way that leads to life and a broad, easy way that leads to death. And it's easy to assume something. This is really important, especially if you grew up in the church or if you grew up religious. It is so hard for us to escape these ideas, but they're not right at all about this passage. He says there's a narrow way and a hard, and a, and a, and a, that's hard, and there's a broad way that's easy. And it's very easy to assume of these two ways that they are the way of evil and the way of the righteous. It's very easy to assume one way is the way of evil and that's easy because we're all sinful and, and, and that's hard, you know, it's, it requires discipline, right? But the way of righteousness, that is hard because I have to work to be righteous. We assume that. Or maybe we, we make it a little nicer than that. We, 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 we put some flowers and potpourri on it and we say, well, no, it's about foolishness and wisdom. The way of foolishness is easy because it requires no discipline and, and uh, there's a lot of fools out there. I, I drive around all the time and I sit next to them on airplanes and I'm not one of them. I'm one of the few, but they're one of the many and there's a lot of them. But we wise, we are that one sole lonesome figure. But that's not what it is at all. He gives us two choices just like he gave us in the garden. Think about this. Before there was the knowledge of good and evil, of foolishness and wisdom, of evil and of righteousness, it says they had not eaten of that tree yet. It says of these two people, Adam and Eve. And you know what we assume? We assume that tree number one, the tree of life, was a beautiful, lush, fruitful tree, and it was just obvious that this was the one to eat from. And that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was this dark and sinister tree that didn't even bear fruit hardly. And it was obvious that you shouldn't choose that one. But that's not what he describes, is it? That's not what it says. What it says is that they looked kind of similar. It says that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one they weren't supposed to eat, well, what did it say? It said it was pleasing to the eye. It said it was good for food. No, that wasn't the choice. It wasn't righteousness and evil. It wasn't wisdom and foolishness. It was God or me. It was me or my father. Would I walk with him or would I walk alone? What's the most common problem you hear about today? Loneliness. Isolation. That leads to emptiness, depression, anxiety, death. God would say it's not that we need to get our morals right first. That'll come. It's not that we need to get our wisdom right first. That'll come It's that we need to get him right first. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he says. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
there wasn't just something unholy and, un, and disobedient about taking that fruit. There was something fundamentally unloving. From a child father perspective. And once I chose that love of God over, of myself over God, once I chose self-love over God-love, I corrupted my ability to love others the way God loves me. Do you hear that? Once I choose myself, I corrupt my ability to love others for God's sake and by his love. I can only love them for my sake. If I don't receive God's love, if I don't return God's love, I struggle to give that to others. If I don't know how, hear this, especially if you grew up in the church and you're all about rules and you're feeling guilty and ashamed all the time, hear me. If I don't know how to be loved, then I'm gonna walk around like that. If I don't, you ever heard that thing, hurt people, hurt people? If I don't know how to be loved, if I'm unwilling to receive love, then I walk around grumpy and angry and I feel ashamed at my own failures and I notice everybody else's. I struggle to give that love to others. If I don't know how to take it, if I'm not willing to walk with the Father in love instead of myself, then it won't work. And people are our crucible. People are our crucible. People are the project. My love for God is going to overflow to people. Think about it this way. My love for God overflows to people, but it works the other way too. As I love people, it draws out my love for God because now I love what he loves. That's why love your neighbor is so intimately aligned with God loves you. And I actually flipped that. I was going to say love your neighbor is aligned with you loving God, but that's on you again. Loving your neighbor is intimately connected to realizing that God loves you like a father. That is the project, loving God, not just obeying or following or serving or even proclaiming. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians, it's a famous passage. How many of you had 1 Corinthians read at your wedding? Tell the truth. There's a bunch of liars out there. You probably just don't remember because you don't remember anything about your wedding except getting the cake crammed in your face. That's all I remember. And my beautiful wife who I love and just so precious that I met on an airplane when I was 19 years old. Um, the love of my life. First Corinthians 13, it says, if I can do all these wonderful things but I have not love, they're worthless. I can obey. Oh, Jesus, we did what you told us to do. I can serve. Oh, Jesus, we gave to the poor. I can proclaim. Oh, we preached in your name and we did miracles. But if I have not love, it is nothing. I don't know you if, I have not, if you have not love. And that doesn't just mean if I've not been loving. It means if I've not known love myself. Remember that when Jesus is going through the Sermon on the Mount, he's not going after evil people. He's going after the good people. He's talking about the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the people who get it right. Remember that? He's not saying evil versus righteous. He's saying the righteous are doing it for the wrong reasons because they know not the love of their Father. John 3.16. If you've been around, you know it. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Father, Son, So the question is, can you receive that love? 
Will you receive that love and what will it cost you? It will cost you a debt of love. He loves you so you can love others. Wouldn't you love your child? If you could wave a magic wand and get your kid to understand one thing, wouldn't that be it? Embrace my love. My daughters, Delaney, Raina, Rachel. Embrace my love and share it with the world. Would that be a pretty good start? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus says in John 15, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And then the apostle John says this, By this we know, love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And so, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If any of you has the world's good and sees his brother in need, you're sitting by him on a plane or whatever, and close your heart against him, how can God's love abide in you? Little children, let us not Love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So I want to leave you with a couple thoughts to reflect on. The first one is this. Do you connect your love by and for God with people around you? Do you do that? Do you connect that, you make that connection between God and your love for people? Do you hold judgment? Think about this one. Walk through your catalog, walk through your Facebook page, walk through your social media posts, walk through the news you take in and the conversations you have at the coffee shop. Take those things in. Do you hold judgment, anger, hate, indifference toward any person or group? Or do you love and pursue them all the more and seek to protect them, to respect them, to read their t-shirt, not just hear their words? And to realize that you were once an enemy of God and he broke through and by the blood of his son not only made you his friend but made you his child. Second thing, do you have a healthy rhythm of life that gives you the time and the white space and the emotional energy to love people in your world? This is a good one for all of us. Do you have the space to love people? Do you have the space to stop and read the t-shirt? I'm gonna give you a good test and we're gonna be talking more about this as the weeks and months roll on because we think it's critical to what is holding us back as individuals, as churches in this world. Here's a good test. Is it a frustration to you when someone has a need? When a need pops up in someone's life, especially someone you don't really know, is it an obstacle for you? Is it a frustration? Are you not really able to meet it? Second thing, are you only able to take on projects that have a very tight uh, timetable and an investment boundary that requires quick closure, but you can't invest sustainably in renewal or growth of healing of other people? It's not, it's not in your wheelhouse. You can't do it. You don't have time. You got too many things going on. You got too many trips planned. You got too much stuff to do at work. You too many clubs, too many this, too many that, too many sports. So you can't live lovingly and sustainably. You can't be like Jesus and have those moments. He was never hurried where he would stop in a crowd because someone in a moment, unscheduled, had a need and he stayed until he met it. 
That's a good litmus test for how you're doing. But I want you to remember that those first two things are just a crucible. Do you have the time? Do you connect God's love with your love for people? Remember, those are the crucible. They're the litmus test. And here's the deal. If there are problems there, there is a bigger question about you and God. About your time with your father. And so, do you know how to be loved by God? Have you ever received Jesus as your savior who would restore your relationship with your father? Have you ever really done that? Are you always busy, regularly overwhelmed, tired, frustrated, but at the same time, you have a hard time letting people help you? Do you have a hard time receiving help or gifts without returning the favor and balancing the books? And then do you have a hard time, therefore, giving that way, the way the Father gives to you? If those are your earthly relationships, if you're walking around all the time, I'm so busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, no, 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 well, that's probably informing your relationship with the Father. And he says, slow down, ask, seek, knock. That takes time, that takes investment. Let's get to know each other again, or for the first time. So we're gonna enter in a time of a reflection. I'm gonna have Dee Dee come up here and she's gonna lead us. Um, you know, and I asked Dee Dee to do this. Um, she is my wife, but she is um, more than that. She uh, has a heart for prayer that I did not share when we met. And she has a heart for wisdom and reflection and time with the Father and time with people as precious that I did not share when we met and I've grown through that. So I've asked her to lead us in a time of reflection. So what we're gonna do is a little bit different than we've done. We're gonna spend a little time personally reflecting in your seat. She's gonna lead you through that. But when we stand to sing at that closing song, you're gonna see some people slip out to the, to the aisles and to the back and they're gonna be praying for you. They're gonna be asking the Holy Spirit to be present with you, to give you wisdom, to, to help you rest in his grace and not wallow into your shame. And if you need prayer, if you wanna to talk to somebody confidentially, you can just slip out during the song or you can grab one of them after the service and they'll pray for you or just listen to you. And that's what we're gonna do. So I'm going to have Dee Dee lead us.